I'm Blake Kreider. I've been coming to Impact since 2019. Um, my wife Amanda and I, um, our son Cruz and our daughter Emery. I was baptized ba Baptist. My parents, you know, brought us up in the faith. I had a heavy pursuit for sports in high school and college. I played college football at Northern Michigan and then played uh, high school football at Lake Fenton. I think the things that kind of drew me away while I was in high school and college is like, it's the culture. The aspirations are to have sex outside of marriage. It's to drink, it's to you know smoke weed, and it's to play sports. That was a culture I definitely fell a prey to, like, or a victim to, or whatever you want. It's not really a victim mentality, it was a choice. I met Amanda when I was 19. Uh, we were both sophomores in college. After college, we decided that we were gonna move around together and just, we were gonna make this work. But I was looking for something that was gonna be new, exciting, and fulfilling. And that's when I found my career in executive protection. So that's, a, I was a bodyguard. At the age of 23, I got recruited to move to LA, being heavily involved in guarding some of the most influential celebrities of our time was a scene I didn't see myself ever living in, but it was one that I quickly found myself in. And I think it started really causing me to want what they had in terms of never hearing no. And I was a huge culprit in making sure that would happen for them. And you know, that kind of led me to a life where I was like, I didn't necessarily want to hear no. You know, that definitely affected Amanda and I's relationship over time. She saw a change in me for the worst. Like, I wanted material things and I wanted to be seen in the scene. I got an opportunity to move away from that. I kind of started doing um, CEOs, business clients. But I think once again, I was trying to fill a void and I took that healthy lifestyle and I turned it into one of like a vain, selfish pursuit of um, doing bodybuilding physique shows. At that time for me, God was just super distant. I was quick to fire off things of my tongue. I was angry at that time. I didn't find a lot of joy in that time in my life and it certainly reflected in my marriage. You know, our first year of marriage was a dumpster fire. Like it was, it was not good. It was all on me. There definitely was a breaking point for me. I was in the gym one day and it was, it was uh, February 14th and I was lifting weights and Amanda was pregnant with our first son. And I looked myself in the mirror in the gym and I just did not like what I saw. And I chose to change. I just started giving up a lot in my life. When we moved here in 2019, we soon found impact. And beyond it just being a good place to be and community to wrap ourselves up in, we didn't know how timely that was gonna be. About two months after um, uh, we found impact, Amanda was pregnant with our second, and me, and me and my brother were on our way to men's group. I had been going pretty actively at that point. Just, I needed an accountability group, and I was with Dan Boone. And uh, uh, yeah, Amanda was like on her last week of, um, you know, her pregnancy with, with our son, Asher. Um, we obviously already had the name, had the room decorated, made everything picked out. She was six days, six days away from giving birth. I'll just never forget that phone call. She just called me and just, I think the only thing she could say is we lost Asher. And it's just, it was just brutal hearing that. Like, I can just remember almost freezing in that moment and just, it's like this poof, like your life is gone type feeling. First, it was a lot of darkness. Just, you know, you can, you can get angry, but through it, you, you get a lot of clarity. We knew that we were gonna to start to face some of our fears. And we went after it because it's like, we knew we had God on our side to do it. I think that was the first time I can say that we both started like walking the walk. If you were to like see my image from the outside, I would maybe appear to have it all together. Like I was doing like some of the cool stuff. I was traveling the world with folks. I was on private planes and going to games and doing this stuff. But there was so much darkness below that. It started to shift. It started to shift the moment we came to Michigan and it started to change. I think that's what Asher's birth did for me. It, it, it brought dry bones to life. Like, I think there's certain images that we have in life, like how we see ourselves, how someone else sees us, and then also what we portray to the world. Most of the time, we hide the real image of ourselves from people. Like, we keep that secret. You might see something about me and assume something, or I might portray something about me so you assume something. 
but there's this whole other part of us that we ourselves that we hide that's the part that god just comes in and he just yanks and he extracts out of you he brings it to life if you let him your dry bones but he'll come and snatch it up he'll breathe life into it he'll put flesh on it like you come to life it's this whole other side of you that you've never felt i believe in speaking life into people and like that's how i want to be remembered that's how i want to go to my grave like not dry bones, I'll tell you that. That's not how I want to go to my grave. Not dry bones. Like, I want to be on fire. Like, I want to go to my grave on fire. Like, alive. Yeah. Yeah, man. I want to go to my grave on fire. When was the last time you said that or thought that? Some of you don't even know if you're going to make it to the end. And a lot of us just die and then we wait for our bodies to kind of catch up, unfortunately. But Blake's here this morning with Amanda. Could you just stand up just for a moment, man? Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, any, any time, I might be coming after you to do a video next. So just to let you know, whenever you do these things, you go back into your story and you have to talk with your spouse and your family and say, can I share some things? And they've had a brutal last couple weeks. Uh, I remember even talking to Amanda last week, man, going back, it was hard to remember certain seasons. And she says, you have no idea how bad it was. Um, and, uh, and you've been through it even this week. Um, a lot of attack on your family, but I want you to know that's what warriors do. We look at our fears and we say, we're going to put ourselves out there and we're going to be vulnerable because there's other people in this room. And uh, I want you to know what's cool about going back to old memories in your life and facing those things and really even feeling the injury and hurt by them is you can go back and say, you don't have any power over me anymore. You have no power over me anymore. I don't have to just not think about you anymore. I can look at you and say, you have no power over me. God has saved my life. He snatched me up, like you said. And I love you guys. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your story this morning. Can we give a hand to these guys this morning? You have no power over me anymore. Some of you can't say that yet. I hope after today you can say that. I hope you're looking stuff and you're thinking about stuff and God's stirring up stuff in your life and you're like, I don't have to run from it anymore. I don't have to run from last night anymore. Some of you are coming in here and you're hung over this morning. You're like, man, it wasn't very long ago I didn't do something that I just am really, really sad about and I'm really, really mad about. But I'm telling you, God loves you. You're here for a reason and you don't have to be scared anymore. Not in this world. I don't care what your affliction is. He's here for you and he wants to snatch you up. Yes. I love what Blake said, man, because this is where we all live to some degree. And really on Easter Sunday, you see it because everybody dresses up. We are not what we look like on the outside, most of us. It's really dark on the inside. My week this week was a brutal week. It might've been one of the hardest weeks I've had in years. I couldn't sleep for three nights. I had insomnia. Anxiety came back. I had situations of conflict and confrontation. Man, it was brutal this week. And I'm thinking the whole time, and I got to do a, an Easter message this weekend. But it was, it was through this message that I felt like God almost took me into Passion Week and is like, I want you to suffer this week like Jesus suffered this week. I want you to get nailed to the cross like it says in Galatians 2.20 where you're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you no longer live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's what I want. I want to join him. And say, God, you made me alive. And yes, I'm going to suffer with you. But I want to suffer with you so that I can experience the power of your resurrection. You can't experience resurrection power until you die. That's right. Like, oh, oh resurrection, wonderful. So you got to die first. Right. Something in you has got to die. Go in that grave and say, God, I'm counting on you to bring me out of this. And he will. He will. And everything in this world is just glittering in gold and all that glitters isn't gold and this outside image and perception and what we put out there that is just not true. Aren't you so sick of false advertising in our world? Just creates in us like false advertising, even of ourselves. 
Life constantly over-promising and under-delivering, like commercials that push this miracle drug that'll help you overcome that, that physical ailment followed by a person talking 100 miles an hour through this laundry list of the unfortunate side effects that follow that, right? Ask your doctor if these pills are right for you. Side effects include headaches, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, cardiac arrhythmia, varicose veins, darkened stool, suicidal thoughts, hemorrhoids, chronic discomfort, vampirism, gender impermanence, involuntary urination, and a never-ending desire to punch the people you love in the face, right? Don't wait another minute, call today. It's like, I always watch those things and I'm like, that is unreal. Gosh, the thing that you're helping me with, it's like now I pee my pants involuntarily all the time. Is that worth it? I'd rather live with chronic pain in my lower back, right? Over-promising and under-delivering. As the great theologian said, Mick Jagger, I can't get no satisfaction. It just doesn't satisfy out there. And that's why I celebrate Easter. Because finally it's a day where we can get away from all that crap and we can say, man, I wanna know the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. That's what Easter is for me. They hit the tuning fork from all the cacophony of confusion out there, all the noise to hear the voice of God say, this is why I created you. This is what I have in store for you. Will you come back to Geppetto, Pinocchio? Right? Will you come back to your creator, your maker, who has a desire and a design for your life? Easter is such an awesome day. I heard this funny story of a little boy who went to Sunday school and they learned about the resurrection of Christ. And on the way home, the dad was asking him, what'd you learn about today? And he talked about the resurrection. He's like, do you know what the resurrection is? And he was like, I don't know what it is, but I know if it lasts more than four hours, you need to see your doctor immediately. <laughs> Some of you, it's too early in the morning to get that joke. Speaking of miracle drugs, right? Um, no, e Easter is the hope of resurrection. Not just that he resurrected, but because he was buried and dies and ro rose from the dead, we can rise up as well. It's a second chance for us. It's the hope of new life. Like Michael Buble says, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life, and I'm feeling good. Dun, dun, dun. I think that's what he does. Again, it's way too early in the morning to see that this morning as well, but my wife's not here, so I can get away with a lot more today. Man, our world needs new life, doesn't it? I feel like dead meat out there and I'm looking around at all these carcasses uh, in life and just there's no light in their eyes. They're glazed over. It's just like our world has just steamrolled us. We need Easter in our hearts. We need to be Easter people. Amen. I was walking uh, to the YMCA through the parking lot and a woman was coming out from the YMCA and I recognized her and the closer she got, I'm like, I know who she is. When I first came to Impact 17 years ago, she was there. She was one of the first person, people to greet me and I walked down the center aisle, I'll never forget it. And she came up and I was like, do you remember? I, my first day at Impact, I came down the center aisle and you gave me a hug and she, you were like, I'm a hugger. And I'm like, well, I am too. I love hugging. And she says, and also the Impact crier. I cry over everything. She cried for people, for this community. When God would move in her heart, her heart was so supple, so soft to God. And I reminded you, you are the Impact crier. And she said to me, looking at me with a face that was stone, she said, I don't cry anymore. I'm, I'm like, serious? She's like, I haven't cried in so long, I don't even remember. And I, I looked at her and I said, life can beat you up, can it? It can leave you for dead. And then I spoke into her, I grabbed her shoulders and I said, I'm praying that God will give you your tears back. That he'll resurrect that part of you that's died. We need a word from God today. Worse than bad, we need Easter to dawn on all of us today. And there's a passage in the Bible, it's been on my mind for the last several months, I wanna share with you this weekend. 
I want to look at an ancient prophecy in the Old Testament. It's almost like a harbinger of resurrection to come. It was in the book of Ezekiel, a prophecy that took place around 500 BC, which is about 2,500 years ago, when Israel, the people of God, were in slavery and bondage in exile in, in Babylon, far from home, living like strangers in a strange land. Maybe you feel like that right now, exile. And I wanted to share the scripture, Ezekiel 37, and I wanted to share it in video form where a narrator speaks the verse while you can visualize this prophecy that's filled with this metaphor that's just powerful. And so we're gonna listen to Ezekiel 37, the word of God, put to a video form while it's narrated. Check this out. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Don't you wish when you read the Bible, that's kind of how it sounded and felt? Like, I think I'd understand more of the Bible when I read it, if it came in that form. That's Ezekiel 37. What a vision. Prophecy is a crazy thing. It's almost like a dream is given to a prophet, showing them pictures of what was currently and what could be. And the truth then was spoken in these picturesque metaphors to people that evoked both brutal honesty in them, but also that desperate hope to the listeners. In this case, these dry bones, this nation that felt like they were in a valley of the shadow of death. And I think there's a need for truth to be spoken over us again. I know I need it spoken over me in various seasons. I, I, I don't have dreams and, and visions all the time in my life. I'm a man of vision, I'm a futurist. I like to think about the future and how we can get there. But occasionally I'll have a vision and I had a dream. It's funny enough, about three months ago, we were looking to make some staffing changes around here and we needed some people and we interviewed a bunch of people and every door was being closed. And I had a dream one night and it was so vivid and so real of what was happening in this place. And two people that actually go to this place were in that dream and I saw exactly where they would be positioned on staff. The next day, showed up to the staff meeting, shared my dream within the next week, we had them in a room and they are now hired on staff here to fill the void. And it was right under my nose, never saw until it came to me in a dream. I wish that happened all the time. Most of my dreams are so asinine and cockamamie, you'd never want to hear them. In fact, I have dreams and I'll sleep, uh, sleep talk. And my wife loves this because when I start sleep talking, she likes to keep me sleep talking. Do you do that with your husband? Like, I just want to find out what else is going on in your life. You start asking to try to get out all their secrets. But there was this one night, she said, I woke up and I started sleep talking and I said, thank God for my good friends, Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> That's the kind of dreams I have. Um, I heard the story of a prophecy that saved the world given to Winston Churchill. 
And I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but it wasn't until this last week that I heard it. He had this surreal vision at age 16 in 1891 that he would save Britain from war, according to the historian Andrew Roberts. He said at age 16, I see great upheavals, terrible struggles and wars such as one cannot imagine, I tell you. London will be in danger. We will be attacked and I shall be very prominent in the defense of London. I shall be in command of the defenses of London and I shall save London and England from disaster. Dreams of the future are blurred, but the main objective is clear. I repeat, London will be in danger and in the high position I shall occupy, it will fall to me to save the capital and save the empire, Winston Churchill, age 16, 1891, when he was a schoolboy at Harrow. He'd mapped out his destiny, didn't deviate from it until age 65 in that moment of truth, considered by many, including Hitler, a hopeless has-been, he came to power and walked with precisely the destiny he'd prescribed for, for himself almost a half a century earlier. Prophecy is a powerful thing. I, I even over my kids at night, I will prophesy over them who they are, who God made them to be, everything they are in Christ, everything the word of God says about them. I want to prophesy over them, truth into them. Even in their waking hours when they're like, I feel this, I feel this, but you are this and you can do that. We need that kind of encouragement and truth spoken into our hearts. Somebody to grab our shoulders and say, you can do it. That's not who you are. I see more in you than you see in yourself. What your boss said, that's malarkey, which is the Hebrew word for hogwash. <laughs> Prophecy. I'm hoping to be that for you today as I speak these word pictures over your parched soul, calling it to life. You were meant for more than you've settled for. That hit me all week long. People are meant for more than what they've settled for. The passage we heard earlier starts setting the bleak and barren scene. It honestly starts where most of us are living today in the desert. In verse one of chapter 37 of Ezekiel, it says the hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel at the time, and he brought me out in this vision by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones and he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Does that sound like America to you right now? It does to me. Amen. The last couple of years have beat so many people up. I know they have me. Even the last year, it's turned me into a bag of bones on some days. I had a year, man. I've gone through it this year. You tell me a year ago that my dad was gonna pass away of pancreatic cancer. Cannot believe that happened, but he's gone. If you would have told me I, my mom was gonna pass away from liver failure just a couple months ago, within that same year, I wouldn't have believed you, but she's gone. Yeah. If you would have told me one of my best friends for the last 17 years would break away from me and cut off our friendship because of, because of ideological differences, I couldn't have believed it, but that's what happened in October. And so many friends have been severed from my life. So many people from this church have just left over all kinds of reasons. I've never been more rejected and abandoned and felt betrayed than I have this last year. Three months ago, a colleague I had where I was a youth pastor before I came here, he just worked through two years with his wife through a long bout with cancer and she just came into remission the week before. He collapses in his bathroom and dies like that. My best friend from Ohio, we'd go out to the Red Lantern every Tuesday morning for coffee for eight years straight. I find out two months ago he has stage four cancer with a horrible prognosis. This week was just brutal. It's just a war zone out there. And there's some days I'm like, God, it's just dry bones. It isn't even bones anymore. They are dry. They are dead. 
Suicides happening in our communities. Marriages falling apart left and right. Friendships severed. Families that don't even talk to each other. It's all over the place. And sometimes I'm like, I I can't even take anymore. Do you ever say that? I can't take anymore. I can't do this anymore. That's the way I feel too. I was talking with my daughter this week. It was on Thursday and I I just, I felt like I was going crazy. If you haven't slept for a few days in a row, I don't know if that's happened to you. You start to go insane in the membrane. And I'm trying to put things together. And my daughter, Allie from college called and FaceTimed me. I was at Brody's B trying to study for this message. And she said something to me in the middle of us talking. I'll never forget. She said, I know you've been through so much and you have so much to do, but you've lost so much, dad. You've lost so much, dad. Do you feel like sometimes you don't let your soul tell you that? You just keep going, you keep grinding, you keep gutting it out and you know you're dead on the inside, but you're just acknowledging you've been through so much. Even in the Bible, Elijah, when he wanted to commit suicide under the broom tree, went out into the desert and he said, I can't do this anymore. I've had enough, Lord. I'm no better than my forefathers. I want to die. And guess what God came and told him? The journey has been too much for you. That God can say to you today, the journey's been too much for you. You need to lay down. You need to rest that God cares that much for your soul. He doesn't see you as a utilitarian object cranking out product all the time like America. He loves your soul. You have to do so much, but you've lost so much, Dad. And then she said something she hasn't said to me my whole life. Because in a sense, I raised one of my best friends. She said, can I pray for you, Dad? And we sat there and she just prayed over my soul. Prayed for it to be restored and healed. Last week, John was sharing a message and he brought this up that he was in the counseling office and there was something written on the wall and I'm the one who wrote it on the wall and it was this, keep putting yourself out there. Because there's days where I'm like, I'm not going to keep putting myself out there and getting hurt all the time. I'm just not going to do it anymore. And so I wrote it. Keep putting yourself out there, Jay. Just keep putting yourself out there. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. Be honest. Even if people use it against you, just keep putting yourself out there. And I say that to you today. Keep putting yourself out there. For the sake of yourself, your family, the world. Don't believe the lie. Your heart matters. We need you. We need you. It's easier said than done though, isn't it? So much dies in a man in the living. Nerve endings are cauterized. Calluses form where skin used to be. What was once as soft is now hard. Once was tender is now tough. I know what it's like. That's why the passage goes on. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Here's the question that God's asking all of us. And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Isn't that the way it is? I think God wants to just ask you today to personalize it. You think these bones can live? And I think a lot of us would come back. And this is a phrase we still use in our culture 2,500 years later. Only you know. Only God knows. I don't know. Lord knows. I have no idea what's going on. That's what he said. Only you know, God. Because I look at it and it looks bleak and it looks hopeless. And it looks like it's over. And he said, yeah, but I, I want you to speak to these bones. To hear the word of the Lord. I was thinking of dead bones And um, when I first moved 
to our house on Parnell when I first moved here 17 and a half years ago. Um, we really bought the house in a flurry. We came up from Ohio. We looked at it. it was, there weren't a lot of ho- homes for sale. And we ended up buying it, just the potential. And then we went home and I came back. And after we bought it, I went to the backyard. And there was this dilapidated old like 1970s snowmobile out there. And next to it was a dead horse, a carcass of a horse, bones. And I'm like, that looks like a horse. It is a horse. And I'd always wanted a horse. Um, so the Lord was like, here's your horse. <laughs> and uh, so I, I have had a horse before. And what was crazy, it had been there long enough that a groundhog in the middle of the carcass of the horse had dug out a hole and the dirt was around the carcass of the horse. And one day I came around the garage with my 22 hollow point and he came up and he's just kind of looking around like, and it fell into the hole and I buried him and the horse underneath um, him. I didn't even actually tell my daughters about this until last night they were at the service. They're like, we played in the backyard over a dead horse. I'm like, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Makes you rethink your childhood a little bit right there. Can these bones live? So many of us, the walking dead, just a carcass. We're dragging around day after day. And our kids can see it. Oh, they can't. Oh, they can. They can feel the spirit of your household. Your marriage, it can feel that carcass. We can take a family portrait, but truth be told, behind closed doors, we aren't what we appear in social media posts, right? Behind the smiles, a lot of fighting and yelling and isolation. Even our dogs are carcasses, right? Ships passing in the night. Is this the American dream or the American nightmare? Life is definitely promised more than it's delivered. Even in marriage, a marriage that started with passion on the wedding day is quite literally in wedlock now, gridlock. Have you ever felt like you and your mate are in some sort of a stalemate? couple corpses side by side, a maid married to a butler, no romance, no intimacy, no fire, no communication, no care, no grace, no forgiveness, no joy. God knows there's no adventure. The relationship feels dead, lifeless, almost beyond saving on days. And divorce gets thrown around just for shock value. It's not over for you today. Truth be told, so much tension can be traced back to the last couple years of COVID. Living behind masks, social distancing, mandates, lockdowns, political warfare, it's destroyed lifelong friendships, families, schools, businesses, even churches. Things that once felt indestructible have collapsed under the weight of fear and anger and hatred. And the real pandemic has been mental illness. Kids falling behind in school, skyrocketing cases of depression and anxiety and suicide rates. People been working remotely for so long, virtual reality and Zoom calls have become the new normal, which is anything but healthy and normal. We almost forget what life was like outside our little bunkers, these bubbles down in our basement, our home offices. There's a huge difference between being remote and living. There isn't a huge difference between being remote and living isolated. The lines between work and home have blurred, creating blown up boundaries, feelings of futility and frustration due to a lack of accomplishment and really fulfillment. The great resignation began and we are the collateral damage. Sometimes you don't even want to get out of your underwear or bathrobe in the morning. Why bother, right? You go into the restroom to find peace and quiet, hiding with your phone from your kids right on the toilet while they're screaming bloody murder in the living room fighting over whose turn it is to be on the stupid iPad. You've all but given up on monitoring screen time at this point. You know, you're in survival mode because it feels like a lost cause. Speaking on being on these phones in the bathroom, did I mention our addictive relationship with those soulless devices that has all but hollowed out our hearts? There isn't much of a difference between scrolling and snorting crack. 
The drugs that are released elicit similar feelings of euphoria and escape that hide pain, offer short-term relief and leave us more desperately empty and alone, threatening our friendship with reality itself. And all the while, you're buried under thankless and menial duties at home that have eclipsed almost every dream and desire of your own heart. You go through the motions and you keep it together. But if people really knew what was going through your mind, it would scare them. It even scares you on some days. You feel invisible to the ones who supposedly love you the most and you're losing heart by the day. Every day seems like Groundhog Day. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Life's a broken record. Some days you look at your husband as he rots into the couch watching more sports and you see the shell of the man you married, right? He's unresponsive and living the life that Henry David Thoreau warned of, a life of quiet desperation. It kind of looks like your hubby, doesn't it? You know, eating cookies. But you don't blame him because life's basically pills and bills at this point with issues that lead to tissues. It's not just him. You're both beginning to medicate yourself with mindless amusement, gaining weight and losing heart. Can I get an amen? Speaking of medication, what used to be a couple of drinks here and there has turned into straight up alcoholism for some of us. You don't call it that because you've got it under control. But if you're honest, you know you can't stop. You almost need it to survive and to numb the pain, boredom, and disappointment. You've wondered if you should get help, but you're too embarrassed. Heck, even pastors are dropping like flies. They're trying to lead and to love and to bring help and hope. But the truth is sometimes I can't even, I can even fall prey to this inner death. I can be preaching about abundant life, that's me right there, while I'm living in the shadow of death myself. Sometimes the reason a church is a valley of dead bones is because the pastor is full of dead man's bones. A whitewashed sepulcher having lost his nerve and his will and his calling. The last couple of years have done a number on all of us. And sometimes if you lift your head and you look around, this valley of dry bones is everywhere you look. And the question is this, can these bones live? The passage goes on, and this is the hope of resurrection here. Verse five, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The sovereign Lord, sovereign is above all. Lord means master, like he's above it and he's the master. It's kind of redundant. He's the master, master. And he says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I'll attach tendons to you, this life that you have and make flesh come on you again and cover with you with skin again. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. See that? I will and then you will. I will and then you will. I'm not asking anybody here today to have willpower and skill power and thrill power and do it yourself. He will and then you will. He's got to do it. And you got to be desperately saying, God, I need you to do it. I've been trying to do it and it's nothing but a, a dead end road, man. I hit the brick wall time and time again. It's a drop ceiling. I hit the ceiling. I hit the wall. I hit the floor. That's my life. He says, then you'll know I'm the Lord. You hear, I'm the man. I'm the man. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there's this noise happened in the valley, this rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. I just got curious about this, like these, these bones to tendons, to flesh, to skin, to breath, to life. Like, I feel like we're all somewhere on the spectrum in this place. Some of us aren't like dry bones on the floor necessarily. Maybe it's like, no, the bones are together. At a foundational, fundamental level, the bones are together. Man, at the level of attaching those bones together with tendons, I don't know where we're at there. I think we've got that. But man, we don't have flesh and nerves and blood flowing through and muscle. Like, that's gone. Or we've got that, and, but we don't have skin 
And I looked at these, these words, bones, tendons, flesh, skin, breath, and the Hebrew words, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the bones come together, which is karab, which means to collect and reconnect. That's what God does. He collects the pieces together, and he reconnects your life at a foundational, fundamental level from the ground up, baby. And then there's tendons. He starts to attach those bones. Gahid, which means to thread together or tie together again or to bind up. He brings those bones and binds them together. Or maybe it's flesh, which comes upon, which is Allah, which means to grow back or to climb back. How many of you know when something's been cut off that God's the God who can make it grow back? How many of you are deep in a deep hole and God's like, I can be the one to Allah to help you climb back again. And then skin covers, man, do we need this in this day and age? So many of us feel so unprotected. And karam means I'll spread over, I'll shield, I'll put skin on you. You don't have to live exposed and unprotected anymore. I'll be your shield. But all of that can happen. And without breath, you're still laying on the ground and you're dead. But breath, when it enters, nafan, which means healed or appointed. I couldn't believe this word. Literally, breath coming in appoints you. Are you disappointed? He appoints you. Do you feel like you're random, that you're an accident? No, you were made on purpose for a, a purpose. You have an appointment, and when breath comes in, you start to realize, this was my appointment, and I'm not missing my appointment anymore. I'm on this planet for a reason, not just to suck air and take space. I have an appointment, and God appoints you when his breath comes into you. And when his breath comes into you, the last thing happens, you come too. Ka-yah, which is like booyah, right? <laughs> booyah, you're saved, you're revived. Some people in here, you're Christians and you haven't had the breath of God breathing through you. You need revival today. Some of you have never invited the breath to come into you. He is exhaling all the time and you're not receiving it. You're not going, <gasps> And that's what happened with Adam at creation. God formed him. He formed nostrils in his head and his shoulders and down his torso and his legs. And he laid on the ground fully there, fully there, bones, tendons, skin, flesh, sinew, veins, blood. The only thing lacking was the breath of life. And God put his nos, his mouth over the mouth of Adam and it was the first kiss that we've never recovered from. And he breathed in and Adam, can you imagine just being there, not knowing anything, darkness, didn't even know you existed. And right after God breathes in, and six inches away from your face is God. Have you always been there? Always been there. What did you just do? I breathed my breath into you. You are fully alive. You need that today? But there was no breath in this passage, it said. Ezekiel 37, verse 8 goes on. I looked, tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe into these slain. I've been praying that all week. Breathe into the slain in this room. That people just been shredded and slain in this place over the years that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded and breath entered them and they came to life. That's resurrection. That's Easter and stood up on their feet, a vast army of warriors. Warriors become warriors. Dead people stand stout hearted, steady, strong, stable, secure. I'm ready for battle now. From bones to breath, a lot can change. When I was thinking 
of this valley of dry bones, my mind drifted to an arid waste land found in Chile called the Atacama Desert. Check this place out. A valley. The Atacama Desert is considered the oldest and driest desert on planet Earth. Normally, it receives less than a half an inch of rain a year. Nothing can live in this desert. Nothing. Due to its extreme dryness, this desert's one of the most important environments on Earth for researchers who need to approximate the conditions of Mars. NASA uses it as a proving ground for roving and drilling and life detection with the goal of demonstrating technical feasibility and scientific value for a mission searching for the evidence of life on Mars. But this same desert, ironically enough, is home to more than 200 species of flowers, most of them endemic to the Atacama region. They germinate deep in the desert floor, almost dormant for years and years and years. But every seven to 10 years, a downpour happens called a cloudburst with almost a decade's worth of rain in one day. And this is what happens. Same place, fresh rain. This barren land explodes with new plant life, producing a rare phenomenon called a desert bloom. That's Easter. Dormant, but not dead in this place. This desert bloom is also known as a super bloom. Super bloom. I just, I haven't been able to get this out of my head. This is Easter. This is your life right now. This is your heart right now. You tell me you don't need a rain from God to fall on your parched heart today. Tell me you don't need the fire of God to fall on you, lighting you ablaze with passion again. Tell me you don't need the breath of God to breathe into you like he did Adam in the Garden of Eden, bringing dry dust to life, animating you with his very spirit. Today, he wants to create in you a desert bloom, a super bloom in your heart. And your life depends on it. Your kids depend on it. Your family depends on it. This world depends on us coming to life in Christ. That breath is huge. You can have everything, but you don't have that breath. That breath breath is salvation. God can help you in your life, but he didn't just come here to help people. He came here to save people. And you can be helped by God and he will take care of you with his provenient grace all day long, every day. You can reach out to him. You are made in the image of God. You are those desert flowers. There's so much under the surface in the image of God that you are made with and God loves you. But until you receive, believe and receive that breath of God and you inhale it, everything could be perfect. You get your bones, you get your sinews, you get your flesh, you get your skin, but you're still dead on the desert floor until you let him breathe his life into you. And that's salvation today. I can't lie to you. You need that. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. And this is the reason that Jesus came to this world that we're celebrating for 33 years, lived a perfect life. He gave his only begotten son that whoever and I'm not, I'm talking to whoever. You might be like, not me, man. You don't know my life. You don't, I am such a pervert. My mouth is like just horrible. I'm a dirty person. I've done vile things. Things have been done to me. I've done things to other men. You don't know who you're talking to. Whoever means whoever yes. believes in him and receives shall not perish. That means dying and living in eternity separated from God in hell, but will have everlasting life starting today. Eternal life. Supernal life now, eternal life after you are gone. My mom and dad now are in everlasting life and they believe this. And I believe this. 
I don't know if you believe this, but something tells me that the Pinocchio inside of you knows that a Geppetto created you for a purpose and you are far from that purpose. And I want you to know today, Jesus died so that religion would die and he raised again so that grace would raise again. We don't need more church. We don't need more fake Christians going to church. What we need is a fresh experience with the spirit animating our hearts and bringing us to life for everlasting life to start today in your household and marriage. It's crazy. When he was on the cross, there were final words. I'm thirsty. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But one of my favorite is one of his last words where he said, tetelestai in Aramaic, which means it is finished. I did it. I came on my mission and it's done. That word tetelestai was used all the time. Jesus didn't make up that word. That word tetelestai was used in banking at the time. And in banking it meant your debt has been paid in full. It was also used in the court system at the time. And it said, your sentence has been served. And then it was used also in wartime, where it says the battle has been won. It's over. We're victorious. And the awesome thing is when he said to Telestai, he literally was saying, it is finished. I paid your debt. I served your time for you. And I won your battle for you. And now I'm dead. I'm going into that grave. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to grab the keys and I'm going to set the captives free and I'm going to rise again so that your sin is killed, but then your heart's going to come to life. Because if I can resurrect, every human being can resurrect and have new life in Christ. That's why that verse is the most popular verse in the Bible. And today you can receive Christ into your heart and those dry bones can live if you will receive his spirit. (gasps) Oh gosh, life is different now. Oh, you better believe it's different now. Out of that verse, I wrote a prayer that I would love for you to pray with me. I'll pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart if you want to receive the breath of God, the spirit of God into your heart to save you today. And you need this. You need this for life now and life ever after. Jesus, thank you for loving me so much because God so loved the world. I love that superlative. He didn't just love it. He so loved it. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I invite you into my heart to save me. I want to live with you for all eternity. Breathe into me today and bring me to life. I'm yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to celebrate that today. If you could bow your heads and just close your eyes. I know we have so many new people in this room today. And some of you just prayed that prayer with me. And I'm telling you, as surely as the sun rose this morning and will set tonight, he is faithful to enter your heart and abide with you. The God of the universe just came inside of you to help you as your comforter and counselor. And if you've prayed that prayer, I just want to celebrate that with you. I want to pray for you this week. Just as a pastor, there's nothing that means more than this. If you prayed that, could you raise your hand so I could see your hand? I'm not going to call you out and acknowledge you. Just raise it nice and high. I want to see that hand. Yeah, see over here. Over here. Keep it raised. Keep it raised. Oh, yeah, you can raise two hands too. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. 22 people came to Christ. And if, if you're online and you're watching online, there's this little thing online where you can hit like a hand that raises up online. It's like, and if you want to raise your hand online, because I know a ton of you are watching today, invited friends all over the world. We got people that watch in almost every continent of the world. Wherever you are, God loves you. And he will come rushing in like a rushing wind into your heart and breathe new life. And you just raise that hand online and know that God has just come into your heart to help you be a husband and a mother. 
and a son and a daughter and a brother and a sister, a friend, an employee, a citizen, a Christian. Blake, could you come up here? I just, I want Blake to, (laughs) I hate standing next to you. (laughs) Hi, Gandalf. You know, it's like, I'm a halfling up here, but this, this guy, God brought this guy to life. And you're like, well, he didn't need to come to life. Look at him. You know, he's got this great job with all these celebrities and all these people. And he's right now running businesses all over the world for just some of the most famous people in the world, but he needed Jesus. It's not like there's just the person in the gutter that's all strung out on drugs. It's like all of us need Jesus. I mean, what's it like for you to just hear this passage, this prophecy, just be like dry bones came to life in me, man. Yeah. um, I think for me, it's... um the analogy that comes to mind is just the one foot in the grave mentality with dry bones. It's just, we're living, you know, those, as those photos depicted, just we're living a scared life, just kind of already dead, just sitting on a couch. And I think for me, it's, it's what God is calling you to give up. Um, I think there's a lot of fear in that. When, when, when God is calling you to give something up, there's a lot of fear in that because you think I'm going to lose so much. I'm losing that beer on the couch. Like, that's a fear for folks, but you have no idea what's on the other side of that. There's something so great on the other side of that, that what you're getting in return is just going to blow that out of the water. The thing that you are scared to give up, you are going to receive something that's so much better, so much more fulfilling. And it's not momentary happiness. It's joy and joy lasts. It's, it, it continues. It presses you forward and it changes you. Yeah. You're a man. Love you, dude. Dude, can you just pray over just the people here today that just what has happened in your life would just happen in their life as they are sent out from this place, new creations. Yeah, absolutely. If everyone could just actually stand and just uh, put your hands on the shoulder of the person next to you. If you're online, please just join us. If if you're alone, just realize that you're not alone right now. Everyone is standing together. Lord, we come to you just in a very, very humble posture today. Lord, just grateful for your sacrifice. As our hands are on the shoulder of the person next to us, we are just, we are so grateful for that person, Lord. We are so grateful for this community. As we stand here, we realize that this is flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. Lord, we are your people. Lord, we're thankful for the fresh wind that's blowing over this place. We're thankful for the life. Um, and the breath that you're just breathing into this community and people. Lord, we're just, we're actually thankful for what you're calling us to give up because we know there's something greater. We want to dive into that something greater, Lord. Just bless every single person in this room and just let them face those fears. If there's a conversation that they need to have, if there's something that they're scared to do, just let them dive deep into that. Let them go forward, Lord. Mm -hmm. You tell us to fear not, and that's for a reason. We shouldn't be scared of what you're calling to give up, us to give up. We should be thankful. We should be grateful. Mm. Lord, we pray for healing in this room. We pray for you to do the, the things that only you can do, Lord. Yes. Miracles. Yes. Lord, we, we pray for chains to be broken, lives to be changed. We pray for freedom over people, Lord. Yes, there's freedom in this place, and there's freedom in your name, and we're calling on that name, Lord. You say where two or three are gathered, that there's... The miracles can happen, Lord. Well, there's hundreds gathered in your name today, Lord. There's hundreds gathered here and online, and we are calling on that, calling on that power for miracles and changes. And we know it's going to happen, Lord. We 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 are thankful for the leaders in this room. We're thankful for the future leaders in this room, Lord. We we pray we pray blessing on those people, Lord, just to go forward and just be a shining example of who you are, who you've called us to be. Lord, be that example to when we walk in a room, someone goes, there's something different about this guy or this woman that we want to expand upon that. We want to just breathe life into people. Lord, you called disciples of men. That was what you did after the grave, Lord. You went to Galilee and you you showed up and you called people to make disciples of men. And we're going to do that. Disciples of men. Lord, just thank you for the gift of life, the breath, just the air that you've 
you've given us in our lungs. Just thank you for the life that we have. Lord, it's just so precious. As we go into this weekend, Lord, please just be with people and just let them be present in their lives. Let them just look at their family and just be so grateful for it. Lord, if there's a conversation that they're just itching to have with someone or a witness with someone, just let them let them go into that conversation, Lord. Just let them show them what life is, Lord, and that's life with you, a life that was meant to be lived, Lord. Not one foot in the grave, just like you, Lord, free of the grave, a tombstone cracked, moving forward in one as a community. That's what's happening here, and that's what's going to continue to happen. Lord, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for you. Thank you for being alive. Yeah. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Hey, happy Easter, everyone. You're dismissed. Oh, dude.